I have two passages of scripture that I would like to read before the prepared message. First one is out of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. And by contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part, and it won't be taken from her. And then the next passage is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent, and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, and the God of peace will be with you. I'm sure you have probably heard the phrase, keep the faith. I'd like to offer a variation of that. And my encouragement would be this, is to keep the focus. Now, keeping the focus is pretty challenging to do right now because we have so much to distract us and to occupy what I like to call our head and our heart space. Now the word distraction or distract has an interesting origin. It literally means to draw away, to draw away the mind from one point, of course, to another or maybe to pull apart or to separate. So maybe you have even said at one point or another that you feel pulled in too many directions, this way or that way, which is really another way of saying that you feel distracted by too many choices or you're unable to focus on anything. So when we feel that we have so much to consider, when we feel we have so much to reflect upon, we feel pulled and drawn away and we feel unfocused and we feel tired and we feel exhausted. We feel pulled by all that we have to absorb and consider concerning the ongoing pandemic. We feel pulled by the ongoing conversations around racial reconciliation and civil unrest. We may feel pulled by the uncertainty of the future and how do we make decisions today, not really knowing what the future is going to hold. Maybe we feel pulled by our own responsibilities, whether it be work or family or relationships or even volunteer commitments. We even feel pulled around taking time for ourselves to replenish ourselves, to practice self-care, to restore our own souls. And we're seemingly pulled away by things we feel we should be concerned about or we're told we should be concerned about. So we engage in these issues, but we feel pulled away from other things that we feel are important or necessary. Now I'm simply naming this reality because often we're so involved with life, I know I am, we don't realize all the ways we're being pulled, all the ways we're, we're being drawn away from what really matters, that we're stretched beyond our limits, 
And sometimes we don't realize it until we're just exhausted or mentally tired and we just want to just say, forget it. So it brings to mind that well-known story that I read out of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus goes to the home of Mary and Martha. He goes as a guest. And Mary is sitting very focused and she's listening to Jesus' teaching. While Martha's busy and preoccupied getting things ready, getting everything ready, getting the dinner ready, getting the dishes ready. And Martha's not too happy about this. And so she wonders if Jesus even cares or notices that she's doing all the work while Mary just sits and listens to Jesus. So Jesus responds this way, Martha, you're worried and distracted about many things. Now, boy, I hear those words and I'm thinking, yeah, I've been a Martha many times. Martha, you're worried and distracted about many things. But one thing is necessary, Jesus says, and Mary has chosen the better part, and it won't be taken from her. And I think the challenge of life and the growing edge of the spiritual life is simply this. It's choosing the better part. And how do we go about choosing what is best? A few years ago, there was an author by the name of Daniel Goleman wrote a book entitled Emotional Intelligence, and then he wrote another book a few years later called Focus. And it was really a book on how to nurture attentiveness, as well as how to not sabotage our lives when we don't practice attentiveness, when we're not focused. And he begins his book by describing three kinds of focus, three kinds that are necessary to live, or, or as he describes it, a, a, a well-lived life, or to live life well. And these three areas of focus are simply this, inner focus, other focus, and outer focus. And here's what he had to say about these three areas. Quote, inner focus attunes us to our intuitions, our guiding values and better decisions. Other focus smooths our connections to the people in our lives. And outer focus lets us navigate in the larger world. So a leader tuned out of his or her internal world will be rudderless. One blind to the world of others will be clueless. And those indifferent to the larger systems in which they operate will be blindsided. I want to break this down a little bit for us in this message. So this book by Daniel Goleman was written particularly for leaders, but I think it applies to everyone, or it can, by using this simple framework as a way to structure how we think about what we need to focus on, or to go back to the story of Martha and Mary, to choose the better part. So let's take a few moments, and again, let's break this down. First thing Goldman says is there's our inner focus. And when he talks about our inner focus, he's talking about our guiding values, our convictions, and even our own intuition or how we do discernment. So in other words, it's our internal world, our inward world, the life of our soul. And it's interesting, I think, that Goldman mentions this first because I believe it's often the most neglected. We often neglect the inward part because we're so easily distracted outwardly. It's the inward focus, though, that's so necessary because it's the inward focus that guides us towards what we need to focus on outwardly. I know if I forget anything or if I neglect anything, I'm such an activist or I'm such a doer that I'm often focusing outwardly before I'm focusing inwardly. 
So inward focus has to do with replenishment. It has to do with restoring of our souls. It has to do with the renewal of our souls. It has to do with practices such as prayer or silence or solitude and other contemplative practices that position us both to listen to God and to examine our own lives before God and in God's presence. And when we focus inwardly and when we pay attention to our inward life with humility, we're able to listen for our true self and what really matters to us. We begin to identify our deepest held values and we embrace them as who we are, as our truest self. And we take time to pay attention to the ways in, when we, in which we act unbecoming of who we really want to be. And then we take the necessary steps to make those changes. Now, about this whole part of uh, acting unbecoming of who we, who we really want to be, uh, Richard Rohr is a writer on the spiritual life, and he talks about this concept called mirror wiping. You know, as you would maybe wipe the mirror uh, at home, get all the, uh, get all the uh, condensation off of it, or maybe you're in the car and your, your windshield is smudged and you wipe it to see through it, or you need to see a mirror so you can look at yourself clearly. Well, Richard Rohr describes this practice called mirror wiping, and it's a way to take an honest look at ourselves. And here's what he writes, quote, Mirror wiping is the inner discipline of calmly observing our own patterns, what we see and what we don't, in order to get our demanding and over-defended egos away from the full control they always want. It requires us to stand at a distance from ourselves and listen and look with calm, non-judgmental objectivity. Otherwise, we do not have thoughts and feelings. The thoughts and feelings have us. So we must recognize our own games, our own fears and filters. What is my real agenda? What are my prejudices? What are my leftover hurts that color just about everything I see? God helps us to recognize our own depths little by little and only when we are ready to handle them. And then he adds this, the older I get, the more I know the patience and mercy of God with my soul. And boy, do I know that personally. The older I get, the more I know the patience and mercy of God with my soul as I wipe that mirror in my soul, as I look to take a very honest look at myself on who I want to become, who I'm not becoming, and what I need to undo. This is all part of taking that inward look or that inward focus. The second focus that Daniel Goleman talks about is what's called other focus. It has to do with the connections with the people in our life. This could be family, it could be relationships, it could be children, marriages, friendships, connections within our own youth, connections uh, within our own faith community here at Deep River Friends Meeting. Part of the work of the inner focus is paying attention to the connections and relationships in your life that need to matter. And those that you can begin to let go of, part of what distracts us is clinging to old connections and relationships that either are not working or they're simply not very healthy for us. And we're not focused on the relationships that truly need and deserve our, atten our atten attention. It's a time to discern really what relationships are giving you life and which ones are not giving you life. And that really is an okay thing to say. You're not making a judgment call on anyone. You're simply paying attention to what matters most and what needs to matter most in focusing in on your own life. What are the relationships that give you life and what are the relationships that are no longer giving you life? And how much life do you need to breathe into the present relationships that you have 
that are so important to you. So part of the work of the other focus is to listen inwardly as to how we need to nurture and cultivate the relationships we are in so that they can flourish and then practice those actions. And those actions could be listening, could be making time for one another, it could be honoring the other person, it could be nurturing the relationship, being in conversation, sharing your own heart and soul with them. It could be being vulnerable with them, uh, offering them gifts, doing special things, whatever it, whatever it might be. But part of the work of this other focus is paying attention as to how those relationships need our presence. It's also about practicing empathy, a word which literally means to feel in, to feel in someone, to feel what others are feeling, to put ourselves in their shoes, to be attentive enough to hear their heart and their soul. And we can only practice empathy, at least for me, when we have our own self out of the way. So doing the work of the other focus is paying attention to these connections in our life and how they need our attention and which ones need our attention. And then the third uh, focus that Daniel Goleman talks about is outer focus. Now, if you think of these focuses as three concentric circles and the outer focus is the farthest circle out, uh, the other focus is the very middle circle and the inner focus is the very center. And the outer focus is the world in which we live. It's outside of our inward focus. It's, it's all around us, but it's, it's what most often captures our attention because there's so much to do, so much to see, so much to read, so much to know, so much to be concerned about. A few years ago, there was an acronym that came out, F-O-M-O, -O, in capital letters, F-O-M-O. -O. And this acronym really meant fear of missing out. And there really was this sense for some folks that they really were in fear of missing out. They had to know uh, the most recent uh, news headline. What was the breaking news? What was going on here? Everything was 24-7. And when we have this fear of missing out, we are inundated, just inundated with information and in our outer world. And our outer world provides more than enough information to satisfy this longing. News updates, social media, just on and on and on. Now, the outer focus is important because it's the world in which we live. But it's also important to have good guidance on what we need to focus on in our outer world. Again, this is why spending time on our inner focus and our other focus is key. Because once we have clarified our values and convictions and discerned what matters to us most and our calling, once we have developed good habits and practices, that give attention to our most important and valued connections and relationships. Once we have done that hard work in our inner focus and our other focus, we then begin to focus on what we feel called to focus on in our outer world. And the key here is for the, the key here is this, for you and I to choose what we feel we need to focus on and not worry about what others are or not focusing on. See, my calling may not be someone else's calling, and their calling may not be my calling. My concern may not be your concern, and your concern may not be my concern. One of the beautiful things about Quakers, about friends, is when they would hold a concern for something going on in the world, they would bring it to the community. In our case, monthly meeting or with a small group, and I know that's kind of hard to do right now, but we could still do that through phone calls and through Zoom, but they would bring their concern to the community for prayer and the community would hold this concern in prayer. And if they felt like this is something the person had discerned well and was real, had a real concern for, they would release this person 
to do what they felt led to do, and the community would support them in prayer. So when we think about our outer focus, we need to think about what are our callings and our passions and the places in which we feel we need to give our advocacy, our solidarity, and our energy. Author Erwin McManus talks about this uh, outer focus, but he, he, he talks about it in another way. But here's what he writes, quote, you need to ask this simple question to get yourself properly adjusted and in focus. What should I be doing? Every one of us has a unique and important role in human history. All of us have been created by God to bring God honor through serving humanity and doing something that makes a difference in the world. There is a hero within you waiting to be awakened. The tragedy is if you try to be everything and do everything, you may so diffuse your effect that you will not optimize who God made you to be and what, and who God created, and what God created you to accomplish. You need to bring together all of your talents and your gifts and your passions and your intellect and your energy and your time and resources and harness them in such a way that you focus on the mission God has given you for your life. And I hope and pray that we here at Deep River, and myself included, when necessary, can help you discover what that calling is and where you can best spend your energy in this outer focus. So now the question may be asked, so this is all fine and good that we have an inner focus, an other focus, and an outer focus, but isn't there a larger framework from which to guide us, not just our own personal perceptions? Well, for sure. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 10, I read that earlier. Again, this is what it says, or Paul writes, From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent, and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is worthy of praise, practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, and the God of peace will be with you. The Apostle Paul is, is really living out of that Greek understanding of how anything that was of moral virtue was excellent. That's how they used the word excellence, moral virtue, beauty. It was admirable. It included such qualities as truth, as qualities like justice and purity and love and beauty and holiness. In other words, this is what Paul is saying. Focus your life. Focus your thoughts, your, your energies, your intentions on that which breathes life into the world and serves to make our world a flourishing place to exist. Focus your thoughts, Paul says, on these things. And then he says, don't just focus, but practice these things. Put into practice all the qualities and virtues that lead to a flourishing life and a flourishing world. And I think Paul would say, and start inwardly with your inner focus, and then work your way out to your other focus with your relationships, and then keep working your way out to that outer focus. Where is God calling us to be in this world? What issue, what concern does God want you and I to be present about, to be engaged with, to offer our gifts, our talents, our skills? And there's one more framework we could be working from too, quite honestly, as Jesus put it in um, the Gospel of Matthew. Desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things, all that you need in life for your well-being will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, Jesus says, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble 
of its own. There's a framework to work out of. If there is a, a structure to live our lives from, it's called the kingdom of God. It's called the, the reign of God, the rule of God. It's called the kingdom of love, the kingdom of mercy, the kingdom of grace. It's called this, this kingdom of making things right in the world. And this is, this is the structure, this is the framework that we're invited to live out of. Just like Paul said, to live out of that place of focusing our thoughts on all that is true, holy, just, pure, and lovely, all that is worthy of praise. Everything that will help to make this world a flourishing place for everyone. Let's be engaged with that. Erwin McManus, I'll end with this quote. Again, he writes these words. For some of us, the challenge is not being distracted by our circumstances or overwhelmed by the opportunities. For some of us, the real challenge of focus is that we get lost in uncertainty. What we need to develop is not simply concentration or convergence, but clarity. In this case, the question isn't, what should I be doing, but who am I becoming? Self-awareness is one of the most critical characteristics of personal effectiveness and productivity. Do you know who you are? You cannot focus if your lens isn't clear. Hear that question again that Erwin McManus writes. What should I, not what should I be doing, but who am I becoming? Do you know who you are? Spend time in that inner focus. Do you know who you need to connect with? Do you know what relationships breathe life into you and you need to breathe life into them? Focus on that other focus. And do you know what concern in this world calls for your heart, calls for your presence, calls for your attention? That's the outer focus.